Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan About the Lord of the Hill Now I saw in my dream that thus they sat talking together until supper was ready. So when they had made ready, they sat down to eat. Now the table was furnished with fat things, and with wine that was well refined. And all their talk at the table was about the Lord of the Hill, namely, about what he had done, and wherefore he did what he did, and why he had builded that house. And by what they said I perceived that he had been a great warrior, and fought with and slain him that had the power of death, but not without great danger to himself, which made me love him the more. For, as they said, and as I believe, said Christian, he did it with the loss of much blood. But that which put glory of grace into all he did was that he did it out of pure love for his country. And besides, there were some of them of the household that said they had seen and spoke with him since he did die on the cross. And they have attested that they had it from his own lips, that he is such a lover of poor pilgrims, that the like is not to be found from the east to the west. They moreover gave an instance of what they affirmed, and that was, he had stripped himself of his glory, that he might do this for the poor, and that they heard him say and affirm that he would not dwell in the mountain of Zion alone. They said, moreover, that he had made many pilgrims princes, though by nature they were beggars born, and their original had been the dunghill. Thus they discoursed together till late at night, and after they had committed themselves to their lord for protection, they betook themselves to rest. The pilgrim they laid in a large upper chamber, whose window opened towards the sun rising. The name of the chamber was Peace, where he slept till break of day. And then he awoke and sang, Where am I now? Is this the love and care of Jesus for the men that pilgrims are, thus to provide? That I should be forgiven, and dwell already the next door to heaven. The Rarities of Beautiful So in the morning they all got up, and after some more discourse, they told him that he should not depart till they had showed him the rarities of that place. And first they had him into the study, where they showed him records of the greatest antiquity, in which, as I remember my dream, they showed him the first pedigree of the Lord of the Hill, that he was the son of the Ancient of Days, and came by an eternal generation. Here also were more fully recorded the acts that he had done, and the names of many hundreds that he had taken into his service, and how he had placed them in such habitations that could neither by length of days nor decays of nature be dissolved. Then they read to him some of the worthy acts that some of his servants had done, as how they had subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Then they read again, in another part of the records of the house, where it was showed how willing their lord was to receive into his favor any, even any, though they in time past had offered great affronts to his person and proceedings. Here also were several other histories of many other famous things, all of which Christian had a view as of things both ancient and modern, together with prophecies and predictions of things that have their certain accomplishment, 
both to the dread and amazement of enemies, and the comfort and solace of pilgrims. The next day they took him and had him into the armory, where they showed him all manner of furniture, which their lord had provided for pilgrims, sword, shield, helmet, breastplate, all prayer, and shoes that would not wear out. And there was here enough of this to harness out as many men for the service of their lord, as there be stars in the heaven for multitude. They also showed him some of the instruments, with which some of his servants had done wonderful things. They showed him Moses' rod, the hammer and nail, with which Jael slew Sisera, the pitchers, trumpets, and lamps, too, with which Gideon put to flight the armies of Midian. Then they showed him the ox's goad, wherewith Shamgar slew six hundred men. They showed him also the jawbone, with which Samson did such mighty feats. They showed him, moreover, the sling and stone, with which David slew Goliath of Gath, and the sword also, with which their Lord will kill the man of sin, in the day that he shall rise up to the prey. They showed him besides many excellent things, with which Christian was much delighted. This done, they went to their rest again. Then I saw in my dream that on the morrow he got up to go forward, but they desired him to stay till the next day also. And then, said they, we will, if the day be clear, show you the delectable mountains, which, they said, would yet further add to his comfort, because they were nearer the desired haven than the place where at present he was. So he consented and stayed. When the morning was up, they had him to the top of the house, and bid him look south. So he did. And behold, at a great distance he saw a most pleasant mountainous country, beautiful with woods, vineyards, fruits of all sorts, flowers also, with springs and fountains, very delectable to behold. Then he asked the name of the country. They said it was Emmanuel's land, and it is as common, said they, as this hill is, to and for all the pilgrims. And when thou comest here from thence, said they, thou mayest see to the gate of the celestial city, as the shepherds that live there will make appear. Part 1. The Fourth Stage. Continued. Leaving the Hill. Now he bethought himself of setting forward, and they were willing he should. But first, said they, let us go again into the armory. So they did. And when he came there, they harnessed him from head to foot with what was of proof, lest perhaps he should meet with assaults in the way. He, being therefore thus equipped, walked out with his friends to the gate, and there he asked the porter if he saw any pilgrims pass by. Then the porter answered, Yes. Pray, did you know him? asked Christian. I asked him his name, said the porter, and he told me it was faithful. Oh, said Christian, I know him. He is my townsman, my near neighbor. He comes from the place where I was born. How far do you think he may be before? He has got by this time below the hill. Well, said Christian, good porter, the Lord be with thee, and add to all thy blessings much increase for the kindness that thou hast showed to me. Then he began to go forward. But discretion, piety, charity, and prudence would accompany him down to the foot of the hill. So they went on together reiterating their former discourses, till they came to go down the hill. Then said Christian, As it was difficult coming up, so, so far as I can see, it is dangerous going down. Yes, said Prudence, so it is, for it is a hard matter for a man to go down into the valley of humiliation, as thou art now, and to catch no slip by the way. Therefore, said they, are we come out to accompany thee down the hill. 
So he began to go down, but very warily, yet he caught a slip or two. Then I saw in my dream that these good companions, when Christian was gone down to the bottom of the hill, gave him a loaf of bread, a bottle of wine, and a cluster of raisins, and then he went on his way. Apollyon But now, in this valley of humiliation, poor Christian was hard put to it, for he had gone but a little way before he espied a foul fiend coming over the field to meet with him. His name was Apollyon. Then did Christian begin to be afraid, and to cast in his mind whether to go back or to stand his ground. But he considered again that he had no armor for his back, and therefore thought that to turn the back to him might give him greater advantage, with ease to pierce him with his darts. Therefore he resolved to venture, and stand his ground. For, thought he, had I no more in mine eye than the saving of my life, it would be the best way to stand. So he went on, and Apollyon met him. Now the monster was hideous to behold. He was clothed with scales like a fish, and they are his pride. He had wings like a dragon, feet like a bear, and out of his belly came fire and smoke, and his mouth was as the mouth of a lion. When he was come up to Christian, he beheld him with a disdainful countenance, and thus began to question with him. Whence come you, and whither are you bound? I am come from the city of destruction, which is the place of all evil and am going to the city of Zion. By this I perceive thou art one of my subjects, for all that country is mine, and I am the prince and god of it. How is it then that thou hast run away from thy king? Were it not that I hope thou mayest do me more service, I would strike thee now at one blow to the ground. I was born indeed in your dominions. But your service was hard, and your wages such as a man could not live on for the wages of sin is death. Therefore, when I was come to years, I did as other prudent persons do, look out, if perhaps I might mend myself. There is no prince that will thus lightly lose his subjects, neither will I as yet lose thee. But since thou complainest of thy service and wages, be content to go back. What our country will afford, I do here promise to give thee. But I have let myself to another even to the king of princes. And how can I, with fairness, go back with thee? Thou hast done in this according to the proverb, changed a bad for a worse. But it is ordinary for those that have professed themselves his servants, after a while to give him the slip, and return again to me. Do thou so too, and all shall be well. I have given him my faith, and sworn my allegiance to him. How then can I go back from this, and not be hanged as a traitor? Thou didst the same to me, and yet I am willing to pass by all, if now thou wilt yet turn again and go back. What I promised thee was before I came of age, and besides, I count that the prince, under whose banner now I stand, is able to absolve me, yea, and to pardon also what I did as to my compliance with thee. And besides, O thou destroying Apollyon, to speak truth, I like his service, his wages, his servants, his government, his company and country better than thine. Therefore leave off to persuade me further. I am his servant, and I will follow him. Consider again when thou art in cold blood what thou art like to meet with in the way that thou goest. Thou knowest that for the most part his servants come to an ill end, because they are transgressors against me 
and my ways. How many of them have been put to shameful deaths? And besides, thou countest his service better than mine, whereas he never came yet from the place where he is, to deliver any that served him out of our hands. But as for me, how many times, as all the world very well knows, have I delivered, either by power or fraud, those that have faithfully served me, from him and his, though taken by them. And so I will deliver thee. His forbearing at present to deliver them is on purpose to try their love, whether they will cleave to him to the end. And as for the ill end thou sayest they come to, that is most glorious in their account. For, for present deliverance, they do not much expect it, for they stay for their glory, and then they shall have it when their prince comes in his, and the glory of the angels. Thou hast already been unfaithful in thy service to him, and how dost thou think to receive wages of him? Wherein, O Apollyon, have I been unfaithful to him? Thou didst faint at first setting out, when thou wast almost choked in the gulf of despond. Thou didst attempt wrong ways to be rid of thy burden, whereas thou shouldst have stayed till thy prince had taken it off. Thou didst sinfully sleep and lose thy choice thing. Thou wast also almost persuaded to go back at the sight of the lions. And when thou talkest of thy journey, and of what thou hast heard and seen, thou art inwardly desirous of vain glory in all that thou sayest or doest. All this is true, and much more which thou hast left out. But the prince whom I serve and honor is merciful and ready to forgive. But besides, these infirmities possessed me in thy country, for there I sucked them in, and I have groaned under them, been sorry for them, and have obtained pardon of my prince. Then Apollyon broke out into a grievous rage, saying, I am an enemy to this prince. I hate his person, his laws, and people. I am come out on purpose to withstand thee. Apollyon, beware what you do, for I am in the king's highway, the way of holiness. Therefore take heed to yourself. Then Apollyon straddled quite over the whole breadth of the way, and said, I am void of fear in this matter. Prepare thyself to die, for I swear by my infernal den that thou shalt go no farther. Here will I spill thy soul. And with that he threw a flaming dart at his breast. But Christian had a shield in his hand, with which he caught it, and so prevented the danger of that. Then did Christian draw, for he saw t'was time to bestir him. And Apollyon as fast made at him, throwing darts as thick as hail, by the which, notwithstanding all that Christian could do to avoid it, Apollyon wounded him in his head, his hand, and foot. This made Christian give a little back. Apollyon therefore followed his work furiously, and Christian again took courage, and resisted as manfully as he could. This sore combat lasted for above half a day, even till Christian was almost quite spent. For you must know that Christian, by reason of his wounds, grew weaker and weaker. Then Apollyon, espying his opportunity, began to gather up close to Christian, and wrestling with him, gave him a dreadful fall. And with that, Christian's sword flew out of his hand. Then said Apollyon, I am sure of thee now. And with that he had almost pressed him to death, so that Christian began to despair of life. But as God would have it, 
while Apollyon was fetching his last blow, thereby to make a full end of this good man. Christian nimbly reached out his hand for his sword, and caught it, saying, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And with that, gave him a deadly thrust, which made him give back, as one that had received his mortal wound. Christian, perceiving that, made at him again, saying, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And with that, Apollyon spread forth his dragon's wings, and sped him away, that Christian for a season saw him no more. In this combat, no man can imagine, unless he had seen and heard as I did, what yelling and hideous roaring Apollyon made all the time of the fight. He spake like a dragon, and, on the other side, what sighs and groans burst from Christian's heart. I never saw him all the while give so much as one pleasant look till he perceived he had wounded Apollyon with his two-edged sword. Then, indeed, did he smile, and look upward. But t'was the dreadfulest sight that ever I saw. So when the battle was over, Christian said, I will here give thanks to him that hath delivered me out of the mouth of the lion, to him that did help me against Apollyon. And so he did, saying, Great Beelzebub, the captain of this fiend, designed my ruin. Therefore to this end he sent him harnessed out, and he with rage that hellish was, did fiercely me engage. But blessed Michael helped me, and I, by dint of sword, did quickly make him fly. Therefore to him let me give lasting praise and thanks, and bless his holy name always. Then there came to him a hand, with some of the leaves of the tree of life, the which Christian took, and applied to the wounds that he had received in the battle, and was healed immediately. He also sat down in that place to eat bread, and to drink of the bottle that was given him a little before. So being refreshed, he addressed himself to his journey, with his sword drawn in his hand, for he said, I know not, but some other enemy may be at hand. But he met with no other affront from Apollyon, quite through this valley. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow, and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>